it's no surprise, it need not be a surprise to us, that Jesus would make use of a metaphor that he drew from his immediate surrounds. Indeed, most of the locals of Jesus' day would have known about grape growing. None of this, what he was talking about, would have been startling or new to them. It was the way that he applied it to himself and to his followers that was novel. He speaks about abiding. Now, anyone involved in growing grapes knows how important good root stock is. Now, I'm not involved in growing grapes, I had to look this up, but apparently good root stock is really quite vital. A suitable root stock makes the vine robust. Certain kinds of root stock suit certain kinds of conditions, and the root stock is the part of the plant that draws the nutrients into the vine. With a suitable root stock, appropriate shoots can be grafted on and they become part of the vine and draw the lifeblood, as it were, from that root into the branches and the, the vine provides the nutrients into the branches and feeds the branches and enables the fruit to grow. Now, none of what I've said is news to any of you, I'm sure, right? That kind of makes sense so far. But of course, branches are very important because um, the vine doesn't bear fruit without them. So a vine itself, just the, the, the stump or the main root part, the, the trunk, doesn't produce fruit. Fruit does not grow there. You need branches for the fruit to set and to form. And these arms are like channels of that life-giving sap enriched from the nutrients of the earth that are drawn up through the vine into the branches and through the marvels of plant biology, fruit is formed on these branches. Now, don't ask me how that works. That is a miracle of God as far as I'm concerned, although scientists are probably going into much more detail. One of the consequences of COVID lockdowns across the world is the resulting sense of disconnect at a more intimate level that many people have experienced. Even with the marvels of video calls and doing church online and other kinds of meetings, we've maintained some sense of connection, but it's been quite common for people to comment about the when lockdowns have been lifted, if it's been a duration of time, going back out into the social world, like actually having to put all your clothes on, for example, not just the top part of your body, and uh, what it is to interact and the uncertainties around all of that. It's palpably different to gather here together and to stop in the middle of the service and share holy half-time and shake hands and greet one another than doing it all on Zoom. Now, Zoom was great, and we would have been lost without it in that moment when we couldn't gather together. And hello to Fiona and to Nada. Hello. <laughs> we're really glad you're there. And we're sorry that you're missing out on the more uh, intimate and personal thing, um, because being humans together is really important. We abide with each other through these connections. And we know when we're holding one another at an arm's length, or one and a half metres, as is the law. Um, and that's different to when we are close to one another. See, with branches and the vine, 
it's not sufficient for the branches to have a somewhat loose connection with the vine. They must be one with the vine. The life-giving sap that runs in the vine must also run in the branches. It doesn't work if the branches just hang around in proximity to the vine. The branches cannot visit the vine from time to time. If we are, if we're to be, if we are to um, be all that we are meant to be as the church, we need this connection, one with the other. Fruitful branches abide in the vine; they become intimately connected with the vine, and they stay with the vine. Their ongoing life is utterly dependent on the vine. It is one of the most thoroughgoing of connections. So that abiding part, abiding with Christ who claims to be the true vine, is so important. It is the most important thing in our faith, I would say. But Jesus doesn't stop there, of course. He starts talking about pruning. Because notions of growth and fruitfulness are quite positive and hopeful and pleasing. Who doesn't like a bit of growth and fruitfulness? Why does he have to mention pruning? Pruning seems harsh and kind of destructive in a way. It's probably not going to be comfortable or necessarily enjoyable. We have a good-sized avocado tree in the backyard of the manse. Uh, the first few years we were in the manse, it produced almost no fruit. It, it would produce little buds and they'd get these mini avocados which were mostly skin and stone, I think, and there was actually nothing to eat on them. It, provide, it was quite large, it got taller and taller and big and green and lovely leaves and all that. Good shade in summer, made the backyard a bit dark and gloomy in winter. And then we had some friends from New Zealand staying for a, a couple of uh, a week or so, and they knew about growing avocado trees. And they pruned it really significantly. Like, it was a bit scary. I thought, are you going to kill that thing? Uh, And pruned it right back. There was a lot less tree when they were done. And then the following season, we got more avocados than you could poke us together. I don't know if you remember, I bought a box in, about 90 avocados, and couldn't give them away. Um... Seeing the tree that the tree was using most of its resources just keeping all those leaves and branches alive. That's what it was sucking up the nutrients just to keep all that infrastructure going. <laughs> and there was precious little remaining resource going towards the fruit. But trimmed down in the right way, the resources were channeled towards fr- the fruit bearing branches and the fruit really formed beautifully. Now, pruning is unavoidably about cutting bits off. Bits that are using resources but not being fruitful. Now, this is not about being all work and no fun for people because you could easily hear it that way. Recreation is just as important as other parts of life and one might say just as fruitful as other parts of life because we need balance in all that we do. So it's about being fruitful in the fullest possible sense of that in life. But I know for me, and I'm sure for you, there are moments when we know we are wasting our time. There are moments when we know we are wasting our resources, where nothing good is coming from what we are spending ourselves or our time or our money or whatever on. 
I think that used to be called dissipation or squandering or something like that. Now, you might have all sorts of pictures about that, but God wants us to use ourselves, to spend ourselves in ways that are truly and eternally fruitful. And that means a purpose-filled life. The alternative is to engage in activities that serve a purpose. Purpose may be some kind of work. It may be relaxation or recreation or plain old fun. That's all good purpose. I consider this to be somewhat different to being purpose-driven. Some of you are old enough or been around the church long enough to remember 20 years ago, Rick Warren published a book called The Purpose-Driven Life. It was very helpful to many, many people, considered quite revolutionary and offered focus and direction to a lot of people who read it. But I, I want a slight nuance in the way I see this because I don't like being driven at all. I think slaves are driven. Uh, we are called and invited. It's an invitation to be fruitful, an invitation to be the children of God, the friends of Jesus, where we are invited to allow our life to bear fruit in really good ways. One aspect with pruning the grapevine branches is the intent that resources are channeled into the fruit. Appearance is not so important in this. So however many leaves or pretty other things are going on is not the intent here. It's about channeling the resources into the fruit. The branch cannot engage in some kind of spin regarding how much fruit it has produced and just by looking like a really nice branch doesn't kind of cut it. It's either fruit or it's not fruit. It's either useful to the vine dresser or not useful. So the, the vine dresser does not observe beautiful, lush, green, leafy, elaborate branches and go, oh, well, that's, that's as good as fruit, you know. No, he's after fruit. He really is after fruit. He's not persuaded by anything else. Because the whole point, and this might sound brutal, but the whole point in growing the vine is the fruit. If you're a grape grower, you want grapes. That's the point of the exercise. It doesn't matter how pretty or otherwise your estate may be. You might have beautiful grounds. You might have a lovely house. You might have good fencing. You might have all sorts of things. But... If you don't have the fruit, not even your marketing strategies are going to be worth anything because you've got nothing to market. It's all about the fruit. So what is the fruit of discipleship? I think it's growth in the direction of being more like Jesus. All things being equal, I believe that will also result in all sorts of other kinds of growth like numerical growth in the church because imagine a group of people who are increasingly becoming more like Jesus. That's a good bunch of people to hang out with. And I think that would engage, create greater capacity because imagine a group of people who are wanting to serve more and more and offer what they have for the good of each other and the community around them. That's going to be more and more fruitful in all sorts of ways. But at its heart, the fruit is tasted in the spirit we share together. It is experienced in the culture we generate together and it is known in the quality of the relationships we enjoy together. And it's integral to how we share good news with others because the good news is a story we tell about Jesus and yet the way in which Jesus 
gave himself to and for us, if that's experienced in the way we tell the story, that story becomes much more believable and powerful rather than if we were just like everybody else telling a story, it makes it much harder to believe. But if we are being transformed by that story, then our telling of that story is much more compelling. And fruit is a consequence of abiding in Christ. It's not a construction of our making or designing. We're not trying to look like we're being fruitful. And this is a subtle but important distinction, I think. Construction, the construction approach imagines what fruit might be like and then sets about achieving those things. So let's take, for example, the belief that faithful disciples care about the poor. That's a fairly believable statement, I guess. And a construction response might be to find some poor people and do something to them or for them in the hope that we are being caring But this is um, different. It's kind of almost wanting to appear fruitful and wanting to look like we're doing something, but I'm not sure that that is necessarily the same as bearing fruit because if we want to appear fruitful, we focus on the fruit, whereas if we want to be fruitful, we focus on Christ. And it's a subtle difference, but an important one, I think, because a focus on on Christ's trust that that focus will not fail to produce fruit in some way, whatever that turns out to be. And there's a humble acknowledgement that we may not know yet what that fruit is. It may come out in ways that we are not expecting. It may look like something we have not yet imagined because it is a trap to assume we know what the fruit looks like. And we make our assumed outcome the focus of our efforts. And in my experience, there's so much more going on in the spiritual world than we know, than we can even tune into. I do my best work ensuring I abide with Christ. The intimacy of that relationship will guide the way in which I am fruitful. I mean, I think about the way that I ended up here at Mustard Seed. Um, when Robin was the minister, it was a 75% role. So she was 75% employed at, with the church. Now, if it was advertised as a 75% role when I was looking for a new job, I wouldn't have applied here because I need a full-time job. I've got a family, I've got to feed, and ministers don't get paid enough to live on 75% of it. So um, I wouldn't have even bothered. But there was a thing going on after Robin retired where the presbytery got involved and Uniting got involved and they were working out how we could get this kind of amalgam of Glebe was involved as well and they thought, right, we'll get a full-time minister involved. And when Kent, the presbytery executive minister, came and spoke to me about it, he said, none of this is nailed down. We need three dominoes to fall graciously together at the same moment into a position. It was... He spelled it all out. I knew it was a risky situation. I said, okay, fair enough. I like what you're saying. I'm prepared to take that risk. I'm in. And we engaged it. Anne was very involved at the time. It was, <laughs> we won't go back over the wounds. <laughs> One of the dominoes fell in where we were supposed to. That was mustard seed. The other two went, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> but I was already here then. It was like a year in. 
And actually, I was pretty convinced this was the right place for me. And happily, enough other people were fairly convinced too. And other aspects, suddenly I had a moment where I could get involved with UTS and the presbytery chipped in a bit of money for that. And more recently, um, the work at Wesley College has appeared, again, really appropriate to what I, would lo- I love doing and can offer, and it provided some of the... So if we'd had our eyes fixated on a particular construction and thought, oh, it's fallen through, it's all done for, it didn't work, we would have missed out on something. But staying faithful allowed a different form of fruit to emerge that came from our faithfulness. It was a, it's a, an appropriate expression of our discipleship, I think. The idea of a vine and its branches was easily understood by Jesus' first audience. They had a good working knowledge of how to grow grapes. They were very much part of their culture. The essential connection of the branches abiding in the vine, the importance of careful, strategic pruning, and the consequent fruit that resulted from that abiding and pruning were uniquely applied by Jesus to himself and to his disciples. And it's worth noting that while pruning is done to the branches, branches don't prune themselves, right? So be ready to be pruned, but you don't have to do it. It'll happen to you if you're being fruitful. And fruit is a consequence of abiding and pruning. We don't kind of manufacture the fruit. We don't construct it. It kind of happens organically. The bit that the branches have primary responsibility for is abiding, staying close to Christ. The pruning will happen. Get ready for that. The fruit will come. Trust that it will come. As for us, we abide in Christ. Let us pray. But we thank you for this very clear and compelling metaphor. Help us to draw near to you and indeed to one another and allow you to work in us and to prune off those things that are being unhelpful, unfruitful, taking our resources away from where life is to be found and allow us to trust that you will do your good work in us and through us. To the glory of your name. Amen.